0: is the dapper dividends show is that old timey for you enough well i wanted to do a little bit of an old timey ragtime rag muffin intro for you guys for all y'all down there listening how's you doing how's your portfolio doing i'm Russ. this is the dapper dip the one and only world-famous Dapper Dividends podcast where you're letting me come into your ear holes for about 30 minutes. And I really do thank you for that. I It's just such an honor that you want to hang out with me for a little bit. So check this out. In the 1920s, Walt Disney... We all know Walt Disney. He created a character named Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Now, Disney had been producing Oswald cartoons for a few years when he discovered that he didn't actually own the rights to the character. No, they belonged to his distributor. When Disney tried to negotiate for the rights to Oswald, his distributor refused to sell them to him and instead hired away many of Disney's animators to produce more Oswald cartoons without him, big, big setback for Mr. Walt Disney, but he didn't give up. No, instead, he channeled his frustration into creating a new character that he could own outright. Guess who that character was? Yes, you're right. It was Mickey Mouse, who became an instant hit and paved the way for Disney's future success. But Disney, Walt didn't forget about Oswald, and decades later, When the Disney company was much larger and more successful, they could finally reacquire the rights to Oswald from his current owners. And Disney learned from his mistake of not owning the rights to his own creation and made sure that it wouldn't happen again. And by reacquiring Oswald, he was able to add another beloved character to the Disney stable. Now, when I think of the story of Walt Disney... And Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, it's a fan-tiddly-tastic example of how a mistake can lead to greater success in the long run. And we, of course, know what Disney went on to become, a company that cut their dividend just like Intel did, ticker INTC. Well, actually, Disney does have plans later in the year to reinstate their dividend. Uh, Intel, we're going to go over the Intel news. I'm sure you've heard it and i'm going to tell you three things that i've learned after going through this intel dividend cut which is not a surprise and you know what but before we do that we're going to get to some news we're going to get to a few per <laughs> a few purchases we're going to get hey man we're going to get to a few purchases i made this week that was a bit. Ba- I used to do a really good Bill Clinton when I was in the Navy back in my sailing days when Papa was a sailor. Oh, Papa the sailor man, dude, dude. <laughs> He's Papa the sailor man, dude. You've ripped off Popeye. Who? So we're. <laughs> you're gonna. No, we're not gonna do any more Bill Jeff. William Jefferson Clinton, colloquial <laughs> blah, blah, blah. colloquially known as Bill Jeff. One word. Bill Jeff, President Bill Jeff, thanks for coming to the show. Hey, man, that's, that's all right. I didn't, I didn't touch that, Monica, I, I swear. What we need to define the, the meaning of is. What is the meaning of is, is? That just sounds like... That's a poor man's Bill Clinton imitation that you get here on this program, this Ragea Pro... This Ragea Pro... This Regia <laughs> broadcast program broadcast it's a broadcast everybody hop to it all right you came here you want to know about some news well i got lots of dividend news for you by the way interestingly don't get worried don't hit the panic button yet but still got down there in the the depths of my throat a little i don't know what to call it just a little strain i think i strained my vocal cords I'm still learning to properly speak, apparently, at 44 years of age in the year of our Lord, 2023, but yeah, I think Monday, if it's still there, it doesn't hurt or anything. I think I'll go get it checked out, which, you know, I didn't intend for this to be a PSA, but Ronnie James Dio, the famous Rainbow in the Dark, awesome song from the 80s, musician, Uh, I forget which B- blend of can- <laughs> which blend which brand a blended uh, b- boy we can just not talk this evening a blend a branded blend of cancer that he had but anyways I think it- I'm not gonna speculate whatever it was as soon as his body was telling him that something wasn't right he kept putting it off saying like I'll ah, give it a little longer I'll give it a- it'll go away I'll get better and it never did and. Sure enough, they told him, well, Ronnie, had you come in right when you first started experiencing the symptoms, we probably could have saved you, but you waited and it's just too far gone, buddy. You got a couple months to live. There's nothing we can do. So um, anyway, with that being said, and and even though I know that story, I'm like, well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe next month, maybe the middle of the night. We'll see. I'll give it another month or two. No, it just that's what the doctors are there for, and that's what we have insurance for, right? So the doctor did order something good for Home Depot, ticker HD. They raised their dividend 10%, which is Home Depot's 14th consecutive annual increase. And yeah, man, that uh, I just bought some parts at Home Depot. The juke was joint. <laughs> I just can't talk. The juke joint was jumping. You try and say juke joint jumping, everybody. 2.79% yield Home Depot Great company, fantastic. They're going to be in business for many years to come. Walmart, we got the Blackfoot Walmartians going on over here. They raised their dividend payout 1.8%. So little itty bitty teeny tiny dividend raise, but that's good for their 50th. And ta-da, they are a dividend king because when you increase your dividend annually for 50 years... You are a dividend king. They now have that bestowed upon them. And once upon a time, VF Corp did too, but we know what happened with them. Uh, 1.6% small yield from Walmart. Let's see, what else do we got here? Genuine Parts, ticker GPC, raised that dividend 6.1% for the 67th consecutive year. Interestingly enough, I do own Genuine Parts and I have a plan because I have five shares in the self-directed IRA, what I'm going to do with them, I believe on March 3rd, they are going ex-dividend. So I'm going to wait till get that. And then I'm going to sell them because on March 7th, Main Street Capital, ticker MAIN goes ex-dividend, the 6th or the 7th. I think it's the 7th. And I'm just going to put those five shares into more Main Street Capital because yeah, my yield on cost with with GPC is I think it's just over three percent, three and a half maybe. But I'm really liking Maine, and uh, I just did a video about them, which I'll tell you about at the end. Of course, we got the Intel dividend cut, which we're gonna get to. That's gonna be that's the main event. In this corner, we've got Intel. I don't know what to do. <laughs> who are they fighting? I'm fighting Intel. That's who. TJX. Ticker TJX, which is funny because they offer the, I like going to TJ Maxx's, they call it the treasure hunt strategy is what they bank on, meaning you don't know what you're going to get. And they raise their dividend 13%, 1.71% yield, and they have a healthy balance sheet, TJ Maxx. Who else do we got here? Uh and Bank, ticker MTB. MTB, raised their dividend 8.3%. That's their seventh consecutive annual dividend increase. And they have not missed the dividend payment since 1971. 1971, everybody. What? I don't even know. That. that sounded like a mixture of a little bit of Sean Connery and a little bit of Harry Carey. Hey, hey. What's that? That's Jack Brickhouse. That's not even Harry Carey. Harry Carey drank a lot of old style when I was a kid on the air. Uh, M&T has a 3.36% dividend yield and gets a safety score of 99. Old Republic Bank, ticker ORI, boosted their dividend 6.5%, which is their 42nd straight year of payout increases, 3.73% yield for Old Republic. And they'll be a dividend king, I think. Eight more years to go, O-R-I. Excel Energy, ticker X-E-L. Up there, yeah, ya hater. <laughs> ya hater up there in Minnesota. They're, uh, them, uh, not the North Stars. They're, uh, they got the Minnesota Wild up there. They they play, I think, at the, uh... Oh, what are we getting Irish there. <laughs> they play at the Xcel Energy Center. We'll just smash any kind of, uh accent that's coming into my brain right out there into your ears take it or leave it i don't care now i think we're scottish irish i don't know <laughs> i don't know you might they'll come out how you going, guys we're going down south of australia now man that was just running the gamut of i don't even know who i am anymore <laughs> somebody could have just tuned in and they'd be like what the anyway Excel energy The XL Energy Center, I believe once upon a time, the Minnesota Wild played there, raised that dividend for their 20th straight year. They're trying to chase down being a dividend aristocrat, which is 25 years of consecutive dividend increases. Newmont, ticker NEM, that's a gold miner. They raised their, they lowered their dividend 27%, excuse me, 3.62% yield. Uh, Eaton Corporation, ticker ETN. This is one of my OG dividend stock companies. Uh, They raised that dividend 6.2%. They have now paid dividends every year since 1923. And I bought them because in my industry, excuse me, we're eating again before we're coming on the air here. Uh, They're a solid company. Love Eaton. I'm up consequently 104%. The residential reIT company, a- Company, XX ticker Ticker ESS. It's, come on, it's a lot of S's, and I see the word sex in there. Uh, Essex. Five percent dividend increase for their 29th consecutive. Uh, 29th consecutive year they've increased. We can do it. I got, I got one more for you. One more. ProLogis ticker PLD. I just did work at a couple ProLogis buildings here around the Chicago area. They raised their dividend 10%, which is their 10th straight year of raising payouts, and they have a 2.81% dividend yield. So that's some dividend news. What's shaking in the world, you know, it's not everything, but it's just a few and a couple things I bought uh, as we talked about, I'm buying more Algoma Steel, ticker ASTL. I bought five shares at $7.49. This is I'm going to tie them into, because they're a newer position, I'll tie them into one of my lessons learned. And what else I bought? I've been buying some realty income. I'm up to 97 shares, I think. I bought a share at 60... No, that was last week. I bought a share this week at 65 dollars I bought 3 more shares of Toronto Dominion at 67.98, uh, another share of Realty Income at 65.93, and today I bought 2 more shares of Toronto Dominion at 66 66 66 Get Your Kicks on Route 66. I like the Depeche Mode version of Get Your Kicks on Route 66. If you don't like Depeche Mode, just shut this program off right now and don't do that. We love you. And in the Roth, it's I'm going to end this with something interesting. I I've, I've been buying some more SCHD. A uh, couple shares at 74.99 ish. Uh some franchise group. I bought 3 shares at 28.95. Uh further buying them. You know, it's interesting. I was looking and reading that franchise group companies tend to do pretty well, which is why Domino's has had pretty good success. Domino's Pizza, ticker DP d p z domino's pizza uh, because they franchise out it's it's a really good business model so that's something for you to look into if you want to look for new ideas Uh, but franchise group that's what they do they franchise out they buy the franchises they own a couple they'll run a couple at the company level but then mostly they are franchised out to the franchisees who put up all the capital in the building and they do all that stuff so and then i i don't know why i did this quite honestly uh innovative industrial property they're that marijuana grower reit they're going to have earnings on monday the 27th i believe is monday and baby i'm hoping they beat earnings and they get a big pop because i'm thinking about getting out when i get down 10 percent but you know, it's it's just one of my much riskier plays. I understand what they do. One of their risks is they they overpaid for their locations to charge the tenants more money. They did like a sale lease back where they bought it from the tenants, what's their now tenants, I believe, and then they leased it out for a really high square footage rent. And it's like, if if the tenant pays back the full 15-year lease or so, They'll get all their money back. But if the tenant defaults, mails in the key, jingle jingle mail, right? If they just mail in the key say, yeah, we're done, we can't pay, uh, then I think that would be really bad. And then uh, IIPR loses money. So IIPR definitely not for the faint of heart and a bit risky. Mm. All right, so that's what I did. Now, should we do it? Time check from the pilot house. How long have I been rapping at you for? About 15 minutes. Not bad. How are you doing? I want to know how you're doing. Shoot me a line, Russ at DapperDividends.com. Say hello, or you know, if you're a, a Twitter user, if you're a a user of the Twitter, if you're a user of the Twitter, everybody, go to Twitter and find me at <laughs> RustyRam78. Oh boy, find me at RustyRam78 and shoot me a tweet twat, a tweet a tweet twat. Well, we just make new words up here left and right. So that's what we do because I love it. All right, so what did I learn? What did I learn from this Intel cut? Well, first of all, why don't we start with that? Intel, yesterday, which was the 22nd of February, cut their dividend from 36.5 cents a share per quarter. They cut it 65.8%, 66% to $0.12.5 per share quarterly dividend. That gives them a forward yield at the time of 1.92%. And, uh, you know, I'm really mixed on this first because Pat Gelsinger just a few weeks ago had talked about maintaining a competitive dividend. So I think there was... I think they had already must have known that they were going to be doing this. And, you know... I don't like it it's hard I've liked Pat he gets paid a lot of money but this is where you know this is this is one of the the lessons I guess is just man numbers over stories it looked like it was risky it looked like they were gonna have trouble paying that dividend and I had been on record now saying that they the dividend was about what six billion and they had enough cash on hand to be able to pay that dividend. But for a couple years, I thought while they turned things around, it wasn't going to be this quick. And especially with uh, Pat Gelsinger's comments about maintaining a competitive dividend, you know, it just sounded like they were not going to be cutting it anytime soon. So we're completely wrong on that. So that's my first lesson is numbers over stories. The numbers don't lie. There are so many story stocks. There are a ton of story stocks. And we always, always, always should be focusing on the numbers and watching the numbers. I I mean, it just operating margin was falling for Intel. Everything was bad since just earnings per share growth went from 9% in 2020 to 3% and then down to negative 66% in 2022. And the last 12 months was, again, negative 66%. And, sorry, my wife is texting me and I didn't put my phone on mute. Their sales dropped from $79 billion in twenty one to $63.1 billion. Uh, shares, they have been buying back shares, but just return on invested capital was around 23% in 2018. It was at 2% in 2022, just bad, just bad operating margin, which is when you, it's a good way to look at the profitability of a company because it divides the operating income, right? Which is what's left after a company deducts the cost of the goods sold and the operating expenses like the selling, the general, the administrative, what they have to pay to run the company, keep the lights on by the total sales. And dude, they had been at 33%. So they were keeping 33 cents of every dollar that was coming in the door in 2018. And that had been dwindling down 28% in 2021. 2022, down to 4%. Just rough. I mean, free cash flow margin was down. The only thing that had been declining was their net debt. So that's good. But just looking at the numbers in hindsight, just a big red flag, and and I knew it was a risk, but I guess I believed Pat and didn't think that the dividend cut was going to happen this quickly, and it just goes to show they had, in 2020, they had $5.10 of free cash flow per share. In 2021, that dropped to $2.25, which it had not been that low since 2017, And then in 2022, negative $2.34 of free cash flow per share. So, God, just the numbers told such a different story. And, you know, that's shame on me. I am not going to be fooled by the numbers. And at least like with uh, innovative industrial properties, IIPR, I know it's riskier. I know it's a pretty big gamble. And I guess I... This will lead me into the second point. Here the second lesson I learned is I was betting on the jockey and not the horse. Meaning that if Intel was the horse and Pat Gelsinger the CEO is the jockey. I really like what he said and and you know you've heard me talk about it on here where I've mentioned how he was Bob Swan was the CEO before him. He took over for Bob Swan who was the former chief financial officer and pat gelsinger is the what was that noise did you hear that <clears throat> as i'm getting older as i'm thinking i'm doing that noise uh, i can't do it now it'll happen again i'm sure <laughs> but pat gelsinger took over from bob swan who was the cfo pat gelsinger was a former chief technical officer meaning that he's b- more involved with the product and what the company's doing so you know, he was good to rally the troops, he was exciting, you know, big things, pie in the sky, big dreams to turn this boat around, the good ship Intel, which baby is sailing through troubled waters. And I just believed what he was saying. And I, again, you can call it just that. When you bet on the jockey and not the horse, you kind of need both of them to work together. But (laughs) If the if the horse sucks, it doesn't matter if you have the best jockey in the world. It's gonna he's gonna have a really really hard time uh, getting getting a win and I don't know what to call it. I was gonna say getting a goal when you ride the horse to get a goal. That's polo, right? I don't wear polo clothes. I don't know who owns polo clothes, but I do remember once upon a time in the nineties, people were <laughs> wearing polo clothes, polo shirts. Janko jeans. You remember Janko jeans? I never wore those. I thought they were the dumbest thing ever. All the kids that listen to Limp Biscuit. Shout out to Eric Mararis, who I was in the Navy with. And he wore Janko jeans and listened to Limp Biscuit. And we had pierced tongues at the same time. That was a big no-no in the Navy. But I hit it and I hit it well. And I don't know all oh, the things you'll do when you're young. And that'll bring me to my, my last point is understanding what you own. You need to understand. This is a fundamental point that Warren Buffett makes, and it's just becoming clearer. Like Walt Disney making mistakes, this is a mistake of mine. If you were to put, right now, or even five years ago, if you were to put an NVIDIA chip, a Taiwan Semi chip, and an Intel chip in the palm of my hand, and said, which one of these is superior and why I couldn't tell you to be flat out honest. I could not tell you. And here's the, the kicker. Even if I could reiterate and just regurgitate all the specs, which I'm lost on and I've tried looking at them and the speeds they run at and all the things they can do. Okay. We can set a benchmark for that, right? But If I can tell you which one's faster right now, which one's better, and you ask me, okay, five years from now, 10 years from now, who's going to have the better chips? Dude, technology changes so quickly. That's why uh, Warren and Charlie never wanted to invest in technology because you don't know. You just don't know. But if you put me inside of a Walmart, and then you put me inside of a Target, and then you put me inside of a... I don't know, a big lot, and you say, which one is superior? I'd say, well, Target and Walmart are, you know, you can make the case for either or, and people are preferential to one. I'm I'm mixed. I like them both. They're they're both kind of different lovers, baby. You know? They both have their their upside and downside, but I like them both. I like spending time with both of them. And Then you put me inside of the big lots and I'd be like, eh, this one I'm not so keen on and if 10 years from now I could see a scenario where big lots is gone, but Target and Walmart, nah, I mean, unless something crazy happens like corporate fraud, which would be really hard to predict, they're both going to be here in 10 years, I I guarantee it, and they're both going to be dominant. Uh, Yeah, anything can happen, but I should say that with the caveat that I'm Fairly confident that they will both be dominant players in their industry. But with the chips, man, I don't know. And, and maybe one of the better ways to treat the chip makers is the semiconductor manufacturers is just like Warren Buffett treats the pharmaceutical companies. He doesn't know which drug in the pipeline is going to be that blockbuster drug. So they just buy pharmaceutical companies when they're cheap. And they just hold on to them because they know eventually one of them will have a blockbuster drug. And I just, I'm out on the chips, on the chip makers. Uno momento, I need a sip of water. Necesito un trago de agua. Harris, let me know on Twitter if I said that. Correcto, mundo. And yeah, so th- those are the three lessons. And and getting back to that, knowing what you own, it's it's hard because you want to be honest. You hear everybody on Twitter, everyone Intel, Intel this or this company that. But that I think on a checklist before you buy something is the, and being honest with yourself, do I understand what this uh, business does, what this company does. And will they still be here in five years or 10 years at this level? Warren's famous example with Coca-Cola that he loves to use is he says, Coca-Cola is such an ingrained brand that it is going to be impossible, near impossible to overthrow them. He said, if you gave me $10 billion and said, go start a competitor to Coca-Cola and or go start a company that's going to be Coca-Cola. Here's 10 billion. He said, I wouldn't know how to do that. Like, that is so difficult to do. But could somebody just make a chip that overthrows all of the manufacturers right now? I mean, probably. Apple's working on it, right? With their M1 chip. So that that's my lessons from the whole Intel debacle. And I'm gonna use this as a lesson to to go forward, to be smarter, to know that, dude, you you got to look at the numbers over the story. The story is so easy to spin. Anybody can come up with a good story. And then I'm going to stop betting on the jockey and bet on the horse. Because if the horse has a bum leg, I don't care what jockey you have. And then lastly is knowing what you own. Honestly, knowing What you own. I I mean, maybe if you're a person that works with the semiconductor chips and, and has intimate knowledge of them, fantastic. But man, I just, for me, that's why I invested in Algoma Steel, ticker ASTL. They make steel. I understand that. I understand what they're trying to do to grow into the future. They are trying to make green steel and be one of the North American leaders of green steel, meaning that. Instead of a blast furnace that uses coke, which is coal and produces a lot of CO2, whether you believe it or not, this is where we're at, that they're switching to the EAFs, the electric arc furnaces, which uses electricity to melt everything. And it it uses 70% fewer uh, CO2 emissions. Well, I don't know what an emution is. You tell me. And they make steel. Remember what I said? I can describe them in four words what uh, Algoma Steel does. They make steel products. (laughs) Really simple. I could probably draw it with a crayon for a five year old and a 95 year old to understand. But even Intel, it's like, okay, what do they do? Well, they make, they manufacture chips that go into computer. Program- they go into computer hardware and various things, data centers, the uh, things that store the data that that we use and generate, and, and that's what they do. Do you see what I mean? Like, I'm struggling. I, I would struggle to draw what Intel does with a crayon. <laughs> I, I get it. They make chips. Duh. But you know what I'm saying. So I'm glad... That you uh, you stop by here, man <laughs> and woman and ladies and ladies and germs, as Tim Ferriss says. You know what? I just did a fun video that I think you could be helped out by. The link is in the description below. Uh, by the way, there, there's a bunch of links down there. I like Seeking Alpha. I love the comments on Seeking Alpha. And if you wanted to get 59% off your first year. Dude, there's a link below for 99 bucks. You also get a seven day free trial of a Seeking Alpha premium. You know, do it, try it out, whatever. Don't do it, I don't, know. if you use my link, I'll get a few bucks kicked back, but I ain't gonna break my bank. And the link was for the YouTube video. I gave five monthly dividend paying REITs and I had fun putting this one together. And one of them, dude, we solved the problem. If you're a hockey fan, if you're up there, <laughs> yeah, hater. If you're up there in a Great White North, then the 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 last team to win a Stanley Cup was the Canadians, the Montreal Canadians in 1993. And I think I figured out why a Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup since 1993. So check that video out. I had fun putting it together. I gave it a bit of work. And uh, if you do that, you know, I always say I'll talk to you there, but. Man, it's fun. You know what? I, I was going to end it there, but we're extra innings here. I did that noise. You hear it? We're only alive once. We're planning a trip to Ireland. We're planning a I got to work on that to the Irish Isles. We're planning a trip to the Irish Isles and we're going to go to, we're going to go. I just bleed in accents. I'm going to go to Dublin, Dublin. So we're going to fly into Dublin and dude, we're staying in a castle. That's like an hour north of Dublin. And you know what? Between, I can't do the noise again. What is that noise? I never used to do that. Between airfare, hotels, which are expensive, car rental, food, uh, activities, festivities, having a couple of pints of Guinness and a proper Irish pub, which I'm looking forward to. Did I say food? Gas, between all of that, I would not be surprised if we were pushing nine or 10,000 us dollars. Now we've been saving for this for a couple of years, but the thing that we have to remember is that we need to live life off the spreadsheet too. yeah, we look at the patty, which, which my patty decreased like $140. Thank you, Intel. But you know what, we're going to be dead someday and you leave it all behind, whether you like to or not. But even if I spend, we'll round it up to the to the high run. Now it gives me a little bit of heartburn like Fred Sanford I'm coming for $10,000. If we spend that, I will be making memories for a lifetime for four people. And I always say it, and I was just talking about this with my wife. Now, if I'm on my deathbed, I imagine myself being 85 years old. And this is something you can do too. If you imagine yourself as 85 years old, for me, I did this scenario. I thought, okay, just say it's going to cost $10,000 to do this trip to Ireland. I'm 85 and I'm on my deathbed or whatever. Would I regret not doing this when I'm 44 My wife and I are in our mid-40s. My kids are teenagers in high school. Would I be sad that I didn't do this? And it was just, it was it was an immediate, oh, absolutely. And do you know, furthermore, even if you think, well, if I invest that money and I compound it at 10% and the rule of 72 and it doubles, like it would be worth this much. Could you imagine me laying in bed 85, 90 years old? and we didn't take this trip, I would probably pay 50000 I would probably pay $100,000 to be in my mid-40s again with my kids as teenagers to take this trip. So at the end of the day, it's a really easy decision to make. And this is all money after we've underspent our income. I'm going long here. You can deal with it, right? I want to say one more thing. I'm not cutting this out. One last thing here before I let you go is that it's very, very simple to be wealthy. There's literally only two things I think you have to do. Number one, underspend your income, whether you make minimum wage or you make $500,000 a year. If you do not underspend your income, you will not be wealthy. And then the second part of that is with what you've underspent and after your necessities and your utilities, the excess, you invest into something that you understand. That's really the the two two simple things to be wealthy. Underspend your income and invest into something or with someone that understands a way to grow your money. And stocks for many people, for most people, are great. Gold, we've talked about, not a great way to grow your money thank you thank you we made it again thank you thank you what was that little caesar's pizza but in all seriousness thank you for spending a little bit of your time with me your limited time on this planet i hope i've made you laugh a little bit and come back next week y'all we'll hang out we'll chat about something else going on in the world of stocks and dividend investing (laughs) so long everybody